This is the audit room on Clubhouse. I am Trent Russell, um, founder of Green Skies Analytics, the go-to place for all things internal audit analytics. Also, obviously, the <laughs> co-host and moderator of the audit room on Clubhouse, as well as host of the audit podcast. We are live on Clubhouse every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago time. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tracy Morquart. Tracy. Hi, everyone. My name is Tracy Marquardt. I am Europe's leading audit communication consultant with a business called Quality Assurance Communication, and I work entirely on communication topics with internal audit clients, leading them to increase productivity and leadership skills for their team. And I'm very happy today that Hal Guerin has joined us. Hal, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, Tracy and Trent, thank you so much for inviting me today. Um, my background experience, as many people who are participating or listen at a later time, might know me as someone who's been tied to the internal audit profession for the vast majority of my career, having been the chief audit executive for a couple of organizations. I served as part of the leadership of the IIA headquarters. Um, out of Central Florida and had oversight for things like the Audit Executive Center, uh, the Standards and Guides, the IPPF framework, uh, global advocacy and other things, and have been doing some consulting uh, since my departure from uh, IIA staff. And again, happy to be here today. And two other things um, about how, if you are not on LinkedIn, I would recommend joining, if no other reason, just to follow how. The comments that he leaves, there was, there was even something today, I can't remember what it was, but um, the amount of things that I've learned just from reading Hal's content, uh, there's just, it's tons. Uh, <laughs> I generally say, if there is a, a topic or, or something posed that I don't have a, um, an area of expertise in and Hal comments on it, then I usually just default to whatever Hal's thoughts are because he's, he's that good. And I think it's um, not only my opinion, but how was voted one of the top 10 thought leaders by the IAA in 2020 uh, for internal audit. And so I think that further speaks to, to what I'm saying. So how it's fantastic to have you on. Well, that's, that's, that's very flattering. I don't know what to say after that. So maybe I should just drop off. No, I'm just kidding, so. <laughs> All right. Well, we're talking root cause analysis today and, and the reason amongst other things, but one of the reasons that I chose that topic is because Hal recently wrote an article um, about root cause analysis, and we will put a link to that article in the show notes. But um, a couple of things that I have, one is I know I'd heard this before, and you, I think there, you touched on it in the article, uh, maybe just a sentence or two, but uh, I've heard it said that management is better suited for root cause analysis rather than internal audit. Um, and just kind of want to get your thoughts on that, Hal. Yeah, so let me start by saying that the whole idea of even writing an article about root cause analysis is uh, attributable to Tracy. Uh, Tracy did a uh, posted a poll about it, and based on the feedback and comments, that I was seeing on there, it sort of spurred me to a point of feeling the need to write something about it. Um, and one, and because of that too, it, some of the posting I did to try to gather some information on it, you know, a couple of people did raise that point, Trent. They did raise, 
minor internal auditors do in root cause analysis? Isn't management better suited to that? And the short answer is yes, of course. But the problem, as we all know, is that the operating management may not necessarily be the most objective in trying to get to what is really the cause for control weaknesses or other issues that might be being identified through the result of an audit. So I'd say two things. One, if management were on top of the issue and on top of the real causes that might lead to issues, the issues wouldn't exist. So they might need our assistance to help point things out. And then they might not be fully objective because part of the actual problem may be things they are or are not doing themselves. Yeah, I think the objectivity angle makes a ton of sense. And I see it almost like if we try to do a root cause analysis of ourselves relative to whatever it is, why am I not um, as happy as I want to be? Why am I not as productive as I want to be? Why am I not where I want to be in life? Uh, it can be hard to, to do that for ourselves, but I think if you throw in um, someone else that could ask you those questions and kind of give you uh, the feedback, I think it you know typically works better. It's, you know, it's like talking to a therapist um, kind of thing. So I see us maybe internal audit as the, the therapists of the uh, root cause analysis. Yeah, and as part of it, you know, the famous thing that everybody goes through and uses, there are more formalized methodologies than the, the more common way of getting to root cause. But the most common one is to ask yourself a series of whys. And people will say, you know, five whys. I don't know if there's any magic in five. It could be three or four or five or six or however many you need. Know that you're making trend is maybe ask it if we did the audit work and we think we know what the initial problem may be and we're ready to kind of get at do some root cause analysis it may be helpful to have someone a fellow um, a co-worker in your internal audit function asking you the why questions instead of you asking them yourself because that does help with being more objective as you're trying to analyze the situation because you've done the work yourself and you think you might know what the answer is but getting help from someone might help lead you to a place you didn't even anticipate you would end up yourself I'm just going to jump in here. I love the five whys. And when I do my audit report writing workshops, I mean, root cause is one of the two places that auditors fall down on consistently is they don't actually get to root cause or they even repeat the condition as the root cause. And so having a sounding board with someone else, either on the audit team or in internal audit, ask you about that, I think is a, is a great idea. I also preach um, collaborative audit report writing. So you write your findings and then you sit down with the rest of the team and go through it together so that you can start questioning those things. Is it root cause? And if it isn't, then we need to ask more questions. And it's, I think, super important to ask those questions while you're doing the field work and not afterwards when you're back at the office writing the report because it's almost too late then because it causes a lot of extra work if you have to go back to the, to the audit client. So that's my take on that trend. Yeah, I like to, two, there's already two great takeaways. One, bounce it off somebody else. And two, don't wait until you're about to issue the audit report. I think those, I think if we just take those two, two takeaways away from this, um, 
from this session today, then I think that's going to add a lot of value. We've talked about the five whys, Tracy and how both have, and that's kind of the, the one that I go to just because it's simple. <laughs> um, and I know there's, there's more complex ways of doing it, like you said, Hal, but uh, could you, maybe with exa an example would be really helpful also, but just, and I don't think we need to go to five. I think typically what I've read is usually you can get to like the third one and that's, you're usually kind of, you'll, you'll figure it out at that point. Could you, for those that aren't familiar with the five whys, uh, could you kind of walk us through that? And then if you have an example, I think that would be helpful also. Yeah, and I think is, if others are wondering whether or not it's their connection, uh, Tracy and I uh, have noticed that as Trent is on for a little bit, it's a little choppy. So hopefully you followed what he was asking there. But the question was, you know, to talk a little bit more about five whys and not really make an assumption that everybody knows what that is. But, you know, you're, you're doing you're doing you're doing your internal audit work and you're, you, you think you've identified a particular control weakness or um, some other issue in the area um, or there may be a few and you've seen start to see a thread between them that you might not have noticed that might be an underlying cause for more than one issue and it's really just you know if if you don't have a buddy or someone to ask you which tracy you know emphasize the point that it's really more helpful to do that have somebody else ask you the why's but ask it yourself but it's just asking yourself a, a cascading set of why's um and in the article that um May, some of you may have already read, but uh, as Trent mentioned, would be in the show notes for you to reference. I use an example, and the example starts out with the fact that you know discounts were not being taken by the accounts payable department, and you'd ask yourself why, and you find out as the example that there was a change in personnel in the accounts payable department and that new employee doing it didn't know that such discounts should be taken. And you ask yourself, well, why did the employee not know this? And I'm not gonna go through the whole example in the interest of time, but that you keep asking yourself, whatever answer you come up with, you ask yourself once again, well, why is that so? Well, why is that so? And you eventually get to the point where you probably have an aha moment or you find you've gone too far because at some point in time, you'll ask yourself so many whys that you'll say something like the culture of the organization is completely screwed up. Well, you might not want to report that specifically in this particular audit related to that particular finding. And so you back up one or two why answers that is at least a deeper issue than what might be the superficial answer. I love that, Hal. And, and one of the things when, I, when I'm in my workshop, I talk about doing the five whys and then going back up through and figuring out which ones are actionable. And I call them actionable cause because sometimes that root, the root root may not be something you want to report, but when you get the actionable ones, you can make the recommendations that you need. And just, just a follow-on point, it's so important for auditors to do a good job on these five whys when they're writing the findings. So document your five whys in your working papers. But if you get to the, you know, the real root cause in each of the findings, what you can then do is look at those in total. And there may be something that you want to report in the executive summary that 
might not have, you know, there's kind of a consistent thing or there's a pattern or there's something very, very serious, it's governance, whatever it is, that should be reported in the executive summary so that we know that we're providing the right insights to uh, the executives. And Kate, Hal, thanks for clarifying on my connection. If I if it's still coming in choppy, Tracy, you can fill in the blanks. I know this is one that sure. you wanted to hit on, but talking about root cause analysis, what's the root cause of the challenge with internal audit identifying the root cause? Uh, you'd have to ask me some why questions to what I say to help me get to the root cause, probably. Um, my initial reaction, Trent, was going to be a combination of things. Um, lack of time, lack of experience, um, and um, lack of really um, wanting to press the issue. You know, in my example, why, you know, the discounts weren't taken and the accounts payable and the company policy was supposed to be that we take the discounts. What's on its recommendation? Start taking the discounts, you know? Um, and, and so, well, that's pretty obvious. I don't, maybe you need to think about it a whole lot more next, next set of tests and let's draft that into the report. And let's move on, you know, but if you probe further, you may find out that the issue is more about, an issue related to training, an issue related to oversight, an issue related to, um, you know, a number of uh, other things than just the fact of it's binary, this wasn't working, so fix it and make it happen. And I, I think you have valid points there. Training is certainly one of them. When I did the poll on LinkedIn, the overwhelming answer was that we don't have enough experience. So let's get people to training, let's get them the coaching, so that they can do their root cause analysis well. And I think, you know, CAEs have a role here because if we're not reporting, you know, real issues like with governance, sometimes it's so obvious when I read an audit report, it's absolutely a governance issue and there's, it's just not addressed. And I think, you know, we need to start at the top and the heads of audit need to be, um, identifying those teams and letting uh, identifying those topics and letting their teams know it's safe to identify those topics and I, and I would add to that too that, i mean think about i mean what is the goal of an audit of any audit you know the goal is not to finish the audit the goal is not to issue a report the goal is to, if change is necessary, affect change within the organization and ensure that that change that you're recommending or you're asking management to consider, um, that it is going to really fix the issue. We're skating across the top for whatever reason. Uh, what's going to, what's likely to happen? We come back for follow-up and the issue still exists. We come back and do a subsequent audit and we're, we're looking at the same area. Lo and behold, the issue's still there. Repeat finding. You know, if you want to go back and internal audit function and wonder, why do we have so many repeat findings? I'm not saying this is the diagnosis, but a potential diagnosis. You haven't done enough root cause analysis. You haven't made a recommendation and caused an action plan to address the real issue. 
Um, and and that's why you're coming back and finding the same issues still existing. I think that's very valid. I I have worked with clients, and they've you know when I do the interviews, they, the management has told me we keep having the same findings over and over again, and that's because we're not addressing root cause. So so key, and you, and you're right. The goal is not to finish the audit and issue the report. The goal is to affect positive change in the organization, and this is a, a perfect way to do it. And I like that. Ahead, in the article, uh, just it just you know, in the article, and a little bit tongue in cheek, I specifically say that's why it's called it's called root cause analysis, and not superficial symptom analysis. <laughs> Perfect. I had a, a follow up question to that. So, could we not include this as part of the process? So, even looking at it within our workflow. Um, okay, once you identify the cause. There's a checklist of why, 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 why. I had to count to make sure I had that right. Five whys. Um, and where you have to go fill that in, basically. You ask the question, why? This is your response. Okay, go to the next one. This is your response. And that way it's part of the entire process. Does that make sense? And and really that that comes from rather than calling it a cause, I mean, should we almost call it the root cause? I mean, I think it's so so important to document it. Sorry, Hal. I think it's so important to document it, and that's why I ask the the audit teams that I work with to add their analysis to their work papers. They don't necessarily need to. They don't have. They shouldn't put the whole analysis in in their uh, findings, but they've got to be able to do it somewhere so that they can go back to it if they need to. Hal. Yeah. No. I, was, I, I think I was gonna say. I was going to say something very similar, but I think the issue too is, um, I think I think building it into the processes is great. Um, I think you know creating a a work paper that takes you through it is is great, but I would not make it so routine and so mechanized that it's not a conversational activity amongst two or more people within the internal audit function, it's not something that you put your head down and do yourself. Because you, you know, the, that objectivity issue. So yeah, by all means, feel free to document it, um, uh, make it more procedural as part of the internal audit process that you know, precedes starting to write or draft audit reports or things like that. But you should be drafting and working on the audit throughout the process so it needs to be you know, I, I still I just I guess my hesitancy is that you know if it becomes too mechanized then it becomes too routine and it's sort of like and, and to me the benefit is through dialogue with one or more other team members to help to get to the issues and you know, I've had a couple of clients come to me and they they want to add a drop down box. They want to have categories of cause, which I think is is fine on one level, but the risk there is that your audit team doesn't really think anymore. They just click the drop down box and pick one and move on and they're missing the analysis there. So I think uh, we have to be real careful with making it too too mechanical and too much of a tool. Yeah, I appreciate those perspectives. That's I try to go you know, systemize things, let's put it into a system, make it into a process. Um, and so that's usually where my brain goes, but I think 
the points that Hal and Tracy both made were, um, were dead on. So I appreciate that. I want to switch it up a little bit. There was a, a recent chief audit executive. So they're new to being a chief audit executive. I was talking to him and said, Hey, I'm talking to Hal Guerin. Um, I respect his opinion a ton. And if, if there's any questions that you have as a new CAE that I could ask of Hal on your behalf, because he wasn't able to make it to the recording today, um, what would that be? And so there was a couple, but I think the biggest one, and it all centered around basically the relationship with the audit committee, because you don't really have that. Um, it seems like most don't until you become uh, the leader of the internal audit department. And so he was asking for a new head of internal audit, what are some do's and don'ts of audit committee meetings? Well, we, we would need a couple of hours to talk through that. Um, and uh, I would strongly encourage anyone who is either a relatively new chief audit executive or someone who's aspiring to be the CAE in an organization or in their career to seriously look at the Certified Chief Audit Executive Program. In that program, um, there's a number of modules specific to audit committees. One is about what you need to think about and do before, what the, what the meeting itself is all about, what to, and what to do after, um, and how to handle executive sessions, which is an interesting animal all upon itself. So unfortunately or fortunately, I could talk for a couple of hours because these modules do take a couple of hours to go through because it is so important. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that um, the person who developed this that I have been helping, um, Jason uh, Mefford, you know, he and I came on to this. One of the reasons was, you know, you look at the CAE title. Many people, not all, many people become chief audit executives of CAE because of this, and this is not intended to be funny, the strength of the A, the audit that they have. They don't get a whole lot of training and experience on how to be a C, the chief. You're responsible and accountable now for everything and anything going on in the internal audit function. And the E part, the hardest part, really being an executive and playing at the C-suite level and the board level. And no one trains you on that um, other than the school of hard knocks. And if you think, you know, well, I watched my CAE and I, I've been trained and mentored by some great CAEs. Well, I was too. And I made a, um, I'll just say a buttload, so <laughs> say something else, of, of mistakes still in my first few years as a chief audit executive because it's just than the experiences that led you there. And so not really answering your question, Trent, because, you know, but, but the audit committee and what to do about the audit committee is not about the meeting. It's about everything that comes before it and everything you do after it and all the politics of the organization and dealing at the highest levels of governance of the organization in between. There's no short answer. It's complicated. I'm glad you mentioned the politics. Is that, I don't know how you would include 
politics within a certification, but is there some takeaways relative to that, that, that people get with the certification? Absolutely. It, it, the, the key things beyond all of the stuff that you know, CAs really need to know is the program itself. And it's something that Jason and I strongly believe you can't find anywhere else. The threads through the whole program are about the importance of relationships, the, the, the challenges and the scope of everything you need to really do about audit committees and that it is not, audit committees are not episodic. They are continuous. There's an ebb and flow, but the audit committee is on your mind all the time as the CAE. It's not just let's ramp up, prepare for the meeting, have the meeting, let's wind down, we're done. Okay, let's not worry about that for another quarter. That's not the way it really works. And then and then really focusing on the C part and the E part of the CAE equation. Because there's a, we pretty much have to assume you know the A part by now. Yeah, and I, if I can just add, I think the importance of relationships is critical when you're at that level. And it's not just the once a quarter meeting, it's the informal relationships that you build, whether you, you know, walk down the corridor and pop your head in, or whether you have a coffee with someone, it's, it's building those relationships so that you can um, learn, learn, you know, what issues they see, and also that you can provide that insight going forward. So very, very important. All right, and we are up, up against time. I'm going to uh, just real quick uh, announcement wise, I'll throw a link into the show notes for the certified chief audit executive. Uh, I Googled it to see if it would pop up because I know it's fairly new. I didn't know if it had made its way to the front page of Google yet, and it has. Um, and so I was just looking through the reviews or the comments. And the first thing is I found the material on the audit committee very helpful. So <laughs> I think that kind of nails uh, what we were talking about here. But um, so that is all from me, Tracy. I'll throw it to you if you want. If you have some closing words, and then Hal, um, throw it to you to kind of to close us out. If there's any overarching themes or, or closing remarks that you want to make. Sure. Thanks, friend. So, just want to let everybody know that uh, my audit report writing course. I have an open one coming up on September 20th and 21st. It's two half days. And I'm running that one. And then I have a course through the IA Luxembourg on presenting audit results. And for anyone who is a member of any IIA, they will give you the IIA, the member rate um, for that one. So stick with me on LinkedIn and, and look for uh, notifications about that. And I want to thank Hal for joining us. And Hal, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, well, thank you so much for the opportunity, Trent and Tracy, um, and stuff I'm passionate about so I could talk for a very long time. I guess I put an underscore on the CAE stuff we've been talking about at the end, um, and I didn't get this early on in my career. I mean, CAE job is really about being an executive who happens to be in charge of internal audit. It's not about being an auditor who just so happens to be an executive. Because if you're, if you're going about the job that way, you're an auditor who just happens to be an executive, you will ultimately fail. 